0: Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. And as you do, join me in prayer. Let's pray to our God. Our God, we're thankful that you're our God. We're thankful that you're our God and not some little G God, some weak and wimpy, needy God. But you, the self-sufficient one, you, the never-ending fountain of living water, you are our God. We thank you that you've promised to be our God, that you've promised to be everything that we need and supply everything we need. And so, Lord, help us to find what we need in you and help us to find our contentment and our joy in your presence, you abiding with us as we abide with you. Lord, help us to bear fruit. Help us to not waste our lives. Lord, thank you for this morning. What a privilege. What a privilege to be here in your presence with your people, with your word. We do pray, Lord, that you would watch over your word now, that you would use it to accomplish your purpose, that just as the rain waters the earth, just as the sunshine gives life, we pray that your word would would bear fruit and would give life to your people this morning. Lord, allow your word to accomplish your purpose, to give us Maturity and sanctification today. Lord, I pray now for your help for me. I need you. I acknowledge my great dependence upon you in this moment. Sustain me that I might preach your glory, your promises to your people this morning. I pray you'd give me help to preach about your help. Give me strength to preach about your strength. Uphold me, to preach about your upholding your people. Do above and beyond what I can ask in this moment. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll turn in your copy of God's Word to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 41. I want us to meditate on just one verse this morning that contains multiple promises. This summer we've been looking at some of God's choices, promises. Some of those promises that give us life and hope and joy to keep going. And I want us to look at very closely Isaiah 41 and verse 10. When I chose this verse for this morning, months ago... I had no idea how badly I'd need it for myself. God is so kind. Life is hard and complex and frustrating. Disappointments abound and fears assault us around every corner of life. This is the universal human experience. But for believers, giving up is not an option because Isaiah 41.10 exists. The power of God's promises is the power to keep us going and sludging and climbing and crawling toward finishing well. And so let's read this one verse out loud together. And I'm confident, even if not in this moment, that you don't feel it. I'm confident you need this verse just as much as I do today and for the rest of your life. Isaiah 41.10 In fact, let's read this out loud together. It's on the screen in the English Standard Version. Let's read it loud. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's read it out loud again together. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now before we meditate on the words and phrases of this verse, let me ask a very important question. How can we claim and stand on this promise that wasn't originally given to us? I mean, this is God speaking to his people thousands of years ago, thousands of miles away from 21st century America. Isaiah 41.10 was given to a particular group of people in a particular situation, in a particular location. So what right do we have to open up to Isaiah 41.10 and claim this for ourselves? What right do we have to stand on these promises the rest of our lives? Well, let me try to answer that in in two different ways. First, the context of this passage, I think, clarifies who this promise is for. Look at verse 8. I see a 41.8. God says, But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, And then verse 9, God says, I took you from the ends of the earth, I called you. And then he says, fear not, for I am with you. So this promise is for Israel, whom God calls here his servant. He says this promise is for Jacob, whom God calls his chosen people. And not only that, but he says this promise is for the offspring of Abraham. This promise is for the one God calls his friend, And so this promise is for the offspring of Abraham, the chosen people of God. And this is exactly where we see the gospel in Isaiah chapter 41. Because the New Testament teaches that all of those who, like Abraham, have faith are children of Abraham and heirs of God's promises. In fact, listen to Galatians chapter 3 verses 7 through 9. Paul says, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Those of faith as opposed to who? Those of natural birth, those of the flesh. It's those of faith, Paul says, who are sons of Abraham. Verse 8, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel before him to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Verse 9, so then. Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Well, this is extremely good news to us Gentiles today, right? We are chosen by God. We are his servants. We are his friends in Christ. We are offspring of Abraham through faith in the Messiah, through faith in Jesus Christ. And so you and I can claim to be offspring of Abraham And if we can claim to be offspring of Abraham, then Isaiah 41.10 is for us. God says so. But to give the same answer another way, and maybe even more simply, I'd say secondly, that 2 Corinthians 1 says, we just sang it, that all God's promises are what? Are yes and amen in Jesus. Because of Jesus, because of what Jesus accomplished for us, we can claim every one of God's good promises understood rightly for ourselves if we are in Jesus. His death and his resurrection made all of the promises of God true for all of God's children, no matter what time they lived, no matter what location they lived in. Hallelujah, what a Savior. All God's promises are yes for us. And so Isaiah 41.10 is God's great and very precious promise to me. And to you, if you're trusting in Jesus, the suffering servant. And so listen to the voice of God again. And notice that God says this in the first person. Notice Isaiah 41.10 doesn't say, God will do something. Notice it says, I will do something. This is the voice that spoke the universe into existence who says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so I see two commands and five promises in this one verse. Let's notice the commands first. God says, first, fear not. And secondly, be not dismayed. Fear not and be dismayed. Not dismayed. So God's people who were receiving this promise were facing persecution. They were facing obliteration. Nations much more powerful than they threatened to wipe them out. They had nowhere to run. No allies to protect them. And they were living in fear and dismay. But God commands them here to fear not and to be not dismayed. And so think of all the possible things that cause us to fear and be dismayed in this world. They are literally countless. Like, we could take some time and make a big old long list, but you know what scares you. You know what causes anxiety and dismay in your heart. You know the possibilities of what could happen to you today. You know how scary and evil this world can be. For me, it feels like every day, over the past few months, I'm confronted with something new to be dismayed about. It would have been that season right now. It's just one thing after another that is, that is tempting to be dismayed and to despair about. I don't think, this is probably an exaggeration, but I don't think I've gotten a single shred of good news from a doctor or the result of a test or scan. And I'm dismayed about it all. The worst case scenarios, they're, they're frightening. But God says to his people, living in this scary world, fear not and be not dismayed. No matter your troubles, no matter your pains, no matter your uncertainties, no matter your heartbreaks, fear not and be not dismayed. Why? Why are we not to be afraid or filled with dismay? And how? How? How can we not be afraid and dismayed in this world we live in? And how can we fight against our fear and dismay? Well, that's where the five promises in this passage, I think, help us. God gives us reasons not to fear. God gives us reasons not to be dismayed, regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in. And so I hope this is as practical to you as it is to me this morning. Whatever tests or challenges you face for the rest of your life, I hope these promises enable you to trust God and keep going. To trust God and keep pressing on. Think of the massive amount of trials and sufferings we collectively are going to experience for the rest of our lives. You have a promise. You have multiple promises in this passage to help you. And so let's look at them carefully. Notice what God says to our fearful and anxious hearts. First, God says, I am with you. I am with you, says the Lord. Fear not for, because... I am with you. Now, I know this is more of a statement of fact than it is a promise. This is God stating something that's true. I am with you. But there's an implied promise in this statement, right? If God was with his fearful people now, then you can trust that he will be with his people in the future. And so this is a promise of God's abiding presence with his people. He won't leave us. Therefore, there is no reason to fear. He will not forsake us. Therefore, there is no reason to be dismayed. This is such an important promise that we see it restated all through the Bible. Remember, as part of the Great Commission, Jesus promised to be with us always, even to the end of the age. Jesus comforted his troubled disciples by promising that he would not leave them as orphans, but would come to them. God promises again and again to his sinful people, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. The Bible teaches that God is omnipresent. That means he's always everywhere. There's nowhere that God is not. He's not limited to one location like you and I are. He is a spirit and he dwells everywhere all the time. And so there's a sense in which God is with everyone both believer and non-believer. There is nowhere we can hide from God's presence. However, when God promises to be with his people, he's not talking about his general omnipresence, but rather he's talking about his special presence, that he's personally with us, that he is with us to bless us, that he's with us to protect us, that that he's on our side. That God is with us means that God is for us. And so this is a very sweet promise that is only true for his blood-bought people. You see, the temptation to fear is the temptation to doubt that God is with us. If we are dismayed, we are declaring that we don't believe God is blessing us, that he's working on our behalf. So my question to you this morning right now is, do you believe this? Like, do you believe that God is with you in a special sense? Not just that He's with everyone in a general sense, but that He's with you. That He's personally with you. Do you, do you believe that He's with you in the doctor's office or the hospital room or the nursing room, home or the airplane or the classroom or the dark alley or on the floor of that bathroom? God is with us, friends, when things are going well when we're at the very pinnacle of enjoyment of life and God is with us when we are being tested by fire, He promises His presence and His presence is enough for every situation and every circumstance of this life. I'm reminding myself of these things even now. His presence is enough. It's enough when things are going well and it's enough when all the walls cave in around you. Think of this promise in a personal way. So I, I would say it like this: God is with me. God is with me. And I could literally say that no matter where I am and no matter what I face, because God has promised to be with me, and God has promised to be with you if you are in Jesus. In fact, let's let's say that together. Let's say God is with me. God is with me. One more time. God is with me. The second promise in this text, God says, I am your God. God says, I am your God. Be not dismayed because or for I am your God. Again, this is a statement of fact that implies a promise. God will be our God. I love that this awesome, holy, redeeming creator is willing to identify with his creatures. I love that God isn't wanting to stiff arm us or distance himself from us, but he is identifying with us as his people, that he loves to be our God. He wants to be known as our God. He has committed himself to us and attached his very own name to us, his people. We take this for granted so often, don't we? That God is our God. But what if this were not true? Like, what if something or someone else was our God? The one we'd look to to provide for us and protect us? It's a hopeless thought, is it not? Many of us know what this is like to have something or someone else to be our God. But praise God, now our God is our God. Throughout the Bible, God promises to be His people's God. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. In fact, the Bible ends with this glorious thought of the new heavens and the new earth. And this voice comes from the throne and the voice says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them as their God. For God to be our God, he had to do something absolutely breathtaking because we rebelled against God. We said, God, you're not our God, which is the essence of our rebellion and our sin. We worship the creation instead of the creator as our God. And so for God to be our God, God himself came In the person of Jesus Christ to win us as his people so that he could be our God and so that we could be his people. Jesus laid down his life to reconcile us to God so that we could hear this promise this morning. I am your God. Only in trusting in Jesus can we know God is our God. Do you have a God? course you do everyone worships something or someone but is your God the one and true God the only God through Jesus Christ this God this glorious this strong this mighty God says I am your God I will be your God so make this personal God is my God God is my God say this to God God you are my God and be grateful for that. Let's say that together. God is my God. God is my God. One more time. God is my God. The third thing God says is I will strengthen you. God says I will strengthen you. So these last three promises in Isaiah 41:10 fill up the meaning of what it means for God to be with us and for God to be our God. What does it mean for God to be with us and for him to be our God? Well, here's what it means. It means he promises to strengthen us when we are weak. God says, I will strengthen you. We need strength, don't we? Every day we need strength for every task that we have, no matter how physically strong or knowledgeable we are, no matter how wise or experienced we are, we constantly need God's strength. Ephesians 6 tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And here God promises that he will strengthen us to face whatever it is that we face. Listen, God's strength is not something you can earn or deserve or buy. It doesn't come to the rich and the famous. It is available to the weakest and the lowest and the most humble. God will make us courageous for the task he has for us. He will supply the power that we need to stand firm in the day of battle. Church, I've personally felt this. Let me get just a little bit mystical on you for a moment. We're so anchored. We're so tied to truth. But let me just get just a tad bit mystical. I've personally felt and sensed God's strength as I've faced blow after blow after blow these last few months. At every point that I have felt like I cannot do this anymore, I have felt, sensed, known the strength of God enabling me, empowering me, giving me the strength to keep going. And He promises that He will do that for His people. God gives His strength to us through various means, Sometimes his strength comes through a particular passage of scripture like this one or from a particular thought that he impresses on us in prayer. Sometimes God's strength comes through a phone call or a text from a friend or fellow church member. Sometimes God's strength comes through an act of kindness or generosity of someone else. Sometimes God's strength comes from hearing God's word proclaimed or from singing his praises with his people on a Sunday morning. God has literally limitless ways to strengthen us for the battle that he has for us to fight. And he promises he'll give you that strength. He will strengthen you. This promise should help us in evangelism. Let's just be honest. It's hard to get into a conversation with people about Jesus and sin. It's hard. It's easier to talk about everything else under the sun. And yet we are called to share the good news with people. We are called to share the good news with our neighbors and our coworkers and people on the other side of the globe. Where are you going to get the strength to bring up Jesus and sin with your neighbors or your coworkers this week? Where are you going to get that strength? God says, I will strengthen you. Where are you going to get the power to resist the temptation to lust? God says, I will strengthen you. Where are you going to get the power to give generously and to live sacrificially? God says, I will strengthen you. Make this personal for you. What is it that you need strength for today? What is it that you need God's strength for to endure today or tomorrow or this week? What is it that you have coming that you don't know you you can do it by yourself? God will strengthen me. God will strengthen me. Let's say that together. God will strengthen me. One more time. God will strengthen me. Fourth, God says, I will help you. God says, I will help you. God says, I will strengthen you and I will help you. Now, I'm not real sure what the difference between him strengthening us and helping us is other than the fact that help may be sort of the broader category. Help is what we need in every situation. Even when we don't need strength, we need help. The picture is that God doesn't just give us courage to go into the battle and then watch us from a distance to see how we do. No, his presence is with us to enable us and to help us. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so that verse tells us what it is we need. What it is that God will help us with, that is, with mercy and grace. The help of God comes in the form of undeserved favor, His grace to us. What we don't earn and haven't deserved, it's always God's grace that gives us the help that we need. And so whatever you face today, whatever you will face, God promises to help you. And so what can you not do in obedience to God? God comes to you and says, I will strengthen you and I will help you. And who of us will say, nah, but I can't do that, God. If God says he'll strengthen you, if God says he'll help you, whatever he asks you to do, whatever he calls you to do, he will give you the strength to do it. Like what risk is so great that you dare not do it for your God? If God calls you down a road, he promises to help you. Proverbs 18 says the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run to it and are safe. You need help from God run into the strong name of your creator. He will help you. He will keep you safe. And so make this make this personal for you. God will help me. Do you believe that? God will help me. Let's say that together like we believe it God will help me one more time God will help me well fifth and finally God says I will uphold you with my righteous right hand and so just in case God hasn't already given us enough reason to not fear and not be dismayed he adds this one more promise he will uphold us with his victorious or his righteous right hand Now, the right hand is the hand of power. The right hand represents rule and authority. In the New Testament, we're told that after his resurrection, Jesus sat down at the Father's right hand, symbolizing the power and authority that has been given to Jesus. Exodus 15, 6 says, Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. God's right hand is not wimpy and it is not frail. All his omnipotent authority is in his right hand and he promises to utilize that power and authority to do what for us? To uphold us. We would fall on our own, would we not? We cannot stand, but God will uphold us. Our God will not let us fall. No matter what enemies come our way, our God will defend us and cover us and fight for us and protect us. So verse 10 speaks of God's right hand. He will uphold us with his righteous, with his powerful right hand. But look down at verse 13. There's another right hand mentioned in this context. God says, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. So God upholds us with his righteous right hand and he holds our right hand and says to us, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. Now taken together, verse 10 and verse 13, give us this picture of a strong father who's using his dominant hand to defeat all of his enemies and to defend and shelter his fearful child. But with his left hand, he is holding his child's right hand. And he will not allow his child to be defeated or dismayed, but he will also not allow his child to be separated from him and from his presence. He upholds us and he holds us. He fights for us, and he holds fast to us. Christian, this is your God. This is your God, powerful beyond imagination, yet tender and warm and welcoming to you. He chooses his people for his own good pleasure, to make them not his slaves, but to make them his friends and his very own children. And she'll make this last promise personal to you. Where do you feel like you're going to fall? Where do you feel like you need upholding from the Lord? God will uphold me. God will uphold me. He will not let me go. He will not allow me to be abandoned. Let's make this personal. Let's say it together. God will uphold me. God will uphold me. One more time. God will uphold me. So Isaiah 41.10 is medicine for our fear and dismay. Have you grown callous to the fears in your soul? Have you grown cynical that the world is just out of control and without hope? Happy is the man, woman, boy or girl who believes God And what he promises to be for us. Happy is the person who believes. Isaiah 41.10. Do you believe that God is with you? Do you believe that God is your God? Do you believe that God will strengthen you? Do you believe that he will help you? Do you believe that he will uphold you with his righteous right hand? Then fear not. And be not dismayed. But Friends, you got to know. These promises are only true because of Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we should fear and we should be dismayed. If you're not trusting in Jesus today, God is not your God. He is not with you. He will not strengthen you. He will not help you. He will not uphold you in these ways that he's promising here. You don't have this hope and you can't claim these promises for your own. If you're not trusting in Jesus, I'm so glad you're here today. You're you're welcome. I'm, I'm so glad that you're here because God, I think, is speaking to you. You're hearing these promises. You're hearing God show himself to you today from his word. This is who he is. And this is what he promises to be for his people. But the response is not to just say, okay, that's nice. The response is not to say, okay, that's a neat little pep talk the response is repentance. The response when God speaks is for us to turn away from everything else we're trusting in for help and hope and strength and upholding to turn from all of those things and to take shelter in the one true God's strength, to take shelter in these promises and, and who he promises to be for you and for me. If that's you, if you're not trusting in Jesus but you see the glory of God revealed in this passage and you want to know him as your God, I encourage you pray this simple prayer that I'm going to pray in just a moment. God, I need you. Please save me. God, I need you. Please save me. Let's pray together. God, we need you. We need you. Please save us. Rescue us. Redeem us. Empower us. God, please, through the work of Jesus, his cross and his resurrection, draw your people to yourself. Help them to cry out to you for your salvation, for your help. Lord, help us to believe these promises. In the darkest moments of our lives, as we experience the death of loved ones, as we stand over the grave of our most precious friends, as we face illness and disease and sickness as we face persecution and opposition and oppression God help us to believe that you're with us help us to believe that you're our God that you will strengthen us that you will help us and that you will uphold us oh God we need you we are desperate for you we need you every hour every minute every second of every day and we plead with you for your help In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing about our need for the Lord.